guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we are ranking every single horror movie ever made from best to worst. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? Good. I uh, recently picked up the Mill Creek uh, sci-fi double feature Blu-ray of Mind Warp and Brain Scan. Ryan, Ooh. have you ever watched Brain Scan? I love Brain Scan. We gotta do that on the podcast at some point. Like I, I, Today was the first time I ever watched that movie. And I did not realize it has Frank Langella in it, and he is a gift. <laughs> Frank Langella, and... who is half asleep for most of this film. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's doing I his best. I also love a Blu-ray where the special features are subtitles. Man, honestly, the movie Brain Scan, uh, I feel like, because I, I also have, uh, I have a Blu-ray of it that has like behind the scenes stuff for the movie Brain Scan. Um, I think the, my favorite thing about Brain Scan is how much they were trying to make Trickster happen as like the next Freddy Krueger character, where he's got like one-liners and he's dancing to Primus. That's the that's the scene that kills me the most is when he shows up to Edward Furlong's house from a CD-ROM and he's like, "I'm gonna put on some tunes," and it's Primus, and he's just like <laughs> jamming. To also, Primus. that he. He trashes Edward Furlong's CD collection because he's like, you don't have any good music. Good thing I brought my Primus <laughs> CD, which Fuck is this. the biggest um, mood that encapsulates my high school experience <laughs> of hanging out with all of my friends. Just running in. I'm putting on pork soda pussies and just putting on Primus. <laughs> like, honestly, Brain Scan is an incredible movie because, like, you, when you when you see Edward Furlong in like you know and and it's supposed to be sad that like his parents aren't around and it's just him by himself with like a computer program that sounds like Igor who answers the phone like as a kid this was the life I fantasized about having you know he's got his own refrigerator with a giant Alice Cooper poster on it <laughs> yeah that and and his dirtbag friend who's like forty years old in this movie <laughs> like. I love so much that they refer to Fangoria to each other as Fango. Like, that's that's true 90s dirtbag shit, is referring to it as Fango, because you don't have the fucking time to say Fangoria. <laughs> Man. Yeah, Brain Scan... It's, it's so good. Yeah, it's. I feel like it's part of that wave of, like, mean-spirited early 90s cyber horror. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the Blu-ray I have also has Mind Warp with motherfucking... Bruce Campbell and Angus Scrim on it. So. Man, so wait, so Mind Warp I've never seen. I'm, my understanding of it is that it's kind of Nightmare on Elm Street adjacent with dream stuff. It is, the tagline is, in the future life will be a dream and reality a nightmare. So the whole thing is a virtual reality movie. All right, now we're talking. Basically they can jump to a bunch of different genres and get away with it because, you know, fingers wave internet. <laughs> but yeah. it's made in 91. So uh, their conception of the internet is uh, about as accurate as the 1994 brain scan where he's got to call a 1-800 number to play a CD-ROM. There's this theater in like Burbank or something that years ago did like an all-night feature of the first four uh, Friday the 13th movies. And I feel that you could do a mean cyberpunk movie uh, marathon between Mind Warp, Brain Scan, Lawnmower Man, and Hardware. (laughs) <laughs> and it's I'm just, here for it. Yeah, yeah. Early '90s anxieties about about the internet and why it's going to kill you. And as as we know, like the 1997 episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where uh, where Willow dates a demon from the internet. Um, you mean wh- the episode with Techno Pagans, of which I purchased a sticker <laughs> to put on my television. <laughs> 
if you're not if you're not jacked in, you're not even alive. Um, yeah, it's. I, I feel like that episode happened, and then everyone was like, "All right, guys, we're off the cyber horror. We we can't we can't keep doing this." Um, I love that we are so transfixed by that one episode of Buffy <laughs> that uh, friends of mine will contact me anytime it comes up mm-hmm. or anytime that they talk about that devils and the internet are in the same <laughs> sentence. I'll also get a at online where I someone's mean, like, Hey, we're talking about devils and the internet. That's because they, they get in here. That's because your brand is rock solid. Like if it's like, <laughs> Oh no, there's demons on the internets. It's the cowboy. It, it's the console cowboys in the cyberspace just up to their old tricks again. And it's like, I love it so much because now at this point, the internet is like such an everyday part of our lives that like the thought of back in the day, somebody being like, man, I don't know. You go into one of those AOL chat rooms, you come out with a demon. I don't know. I don't know how it works on the internet, but I'm pretty sure that's, that's what's (laughs) going to happen. So what ghoul shit have you been imbibing, Ryan? I'll tell you what ghoul shit I've been imbibing. Bird watching, mostly. (laughs) Like it's been... (laughs) Uh, I in quarantine I'm doing uh, two things lately and it's uh, three things actually knitting working out and looking at birds because we've got my like the where I do my work during the day uh, faces my backyard and there's a big window so I am just fully getting into bird watching and just like watching what it is I can get into any animal or group of, of being as long as I can find out the ways in which this being can be a dick (laughs) <laughs> like, if I see birds being dicks to other birds, I am suddenly interested in birds. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And uh, birds are inequivocally uh, dicks. Yeah, yeah, they are they are full dicks. Except for um, my, uh, my friend Jess, uh, who lives in Canada. She uh, takes care of pigeons and doves. And apparently they are, like, doves are the sweetest bird in the world and will just snuggle her, which I think is ideal. But I wonder if I wouldn't respect the bird if they wanted to be my friend too much. So you're telling me that they're literally lovey doveys. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. <laughs> I, hadn't even, I hadn't even thought about that, and I'm furious. They are actually lovey doveys, and I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of myself. Um... But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, so you've been, um, I think you've been working the Pokemon Minds uh, this week, yes? Yes, I have been playing Pokemon Sword, and uh, much to the chagrin of my seven-year-old, I've only gone to a single gym in the game, mm-hmm. but I've been, but because I'm an adult with a full-time job, I have uh, a Nintendo Online account, so I can trade with people on the internet. Mm-hmm. And my new favorite thing about trading online is um, naming Pokemon very silly names, which has always been a joy of Pokemon. Of course. But then foisting those upon strangers. Uh, I was gifted Brock Lesnar the Machamp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I have turned around and gifted Millie Vanilli the Vanillite. <laughs> And uh, not the mama, the joke. <laughs> Man, honestly, though, I feel like, you know, Br- like Brock Lesnar, the Machamp, I feel like if you gave Brock Lesnar another set of arms, it would almost be redundant. Like, I think of him as having four sets, like two sets of arms. It is it is uh, notable that when Hasbro made their line of wwe wrestlers that are superheroes Mm -hmm. they made a goro-esque brock lesnar that was his action figure (laughs) which feels it's not 
true it's not true but it's real you know like it's 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 tonally consistent with with reality honestly with pokemon um i feel like i I, and i'm I'm ashamed to admit this i have never played a pokemon game past the original pokemon red and blue um everything past the original 150 pokemon i'm always like delighted and surprised to find out about a thing called like vanillite um I think it's an ice cream Pokemon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm completely into it. I think the newest Pokemon that I was made aware of that uh, made me really happy to learn about was Mimikyu, which... Oh, yeah. Mimikyu is very good because Mimikyu uh, only cares about killing Pikachus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also because it was like, well, I'm a sad, lonely ghost who's decided to uh, wear a shitty Pikachu costume because everybody loves Pikachu. And it's just like I love that it's like single trying to single white female Pikachu, and <laughs> also I, I support this energy. Another great thing about Mimikyu's are that when uh, you use Mimikyu in the new Pokemon series, mm-hmm. and he takes a hit, his neck breaks, and then it says, "Oh no, his disguise has failed." As if that is the one thing that's keeping everyone to believe that you actually had a Pikachu. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the that's the bombshell. That's the thing that yeah freaks everybody out. Um, so, uh, let's jump into uh, the movie we're doing for this week, uh, which is on Tubi, as which as we know is a blessed slash cursed uh, streaming platform. Uh, it that... also has a very nice blu-ray dvd from vinegar syndrome which uh they were kind enough to provide me and uh i'm super excited to talk to you about the special features on this thing oh hell yeah vinegar syndrome which as we know is the standard bearer for uh hard to find weird forgotten gems and stuff that never really got a fair shake the first time around on and and i'm 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 not gonna lie to you the fact that this uh that extra three got a vincent release immediately made me interested in it because like when you if you google uh, extra three you're like all right well this is some weird fucking sci-fi original programming circa 1995 at two o'clock in the afternoon on a sunday i guess it and then, has the hardest sci-fi channel at 2 p.m on a sunday vibes of a movie i've watched in a long time for sure uh and so finding out that you know vinegar syndrome and the folks there looked at this movie and went you know what we're gonna do a fucking release with some goodies they're not wrong to have done it. This movie is so much better than it has any right to be, and also so much dumber than I thought it was going to be. It's terrible. It's really oh. bad. Oh, man. It's, so yeah. they have an interview with the director, Harry Bromley Davenport. So, the, you know, they just sit him down, and they're like, let's talk about this movie. And he says, I do not direct good movies. He's like, I've never made a good movie. <laughs> Yeah, they, they just, like, found him in a bathroom somewhere and were like, hey, can we ask you some questions? And they wouldn't let him leave the bathroom until he answered it. Like, <laughs> yeah, he he seems to have a pretty down-to-earth view of his time making this movie. Yeah, he's like, listen, I know it wasn't good. Um, he also straight up says that he, he owns Extro, the title. So basically, he got to make this movie because he went to an American production company and said i'm the guy that owns extra mm-hmm. and they're like sure we'll give you money <laughs> you know what this empty snapple bottle is mine with the other two extra films by the way that see this was my next question actually was the fact that i i haven't seen extra or extra two and the story of extra three is pretty one and done like it's just it's the story it is and you know at no point was i like oh how does this interact with the lore of the extra series because it's it's just fucking right there like there's there's no yeah. connection to anything 
it's very much a Halloween 3 or Zombie 5 situation. It's just the name that will get people to watch the movie. Yeah, and of course the director, uh, apparently, who's directed every extra movie, so he's the... uh, the Don Coscarelli of this of this franchise. Um, Extra three. Now, so, so here's the thing. So the movie starts out, uh, and uh, we get now. I because this was made in the mid '90s. I feel like the '90s was having a real fucking moment with like sort of cheery '50s throwback things, where it's like footage of people practicing hygiene or going to school dances and being like, "Hey, Jimmy, look at you going to school with your friend," and it's just like. You know, with the sort of cheery pizzicato music in the background, like, it was... The 90s were all in on this fucking aesthetic as a goof. Yeah, I've been trying to figure it out because also we have a lot of... In the 90s, there was a lot of uh, bowling shirt and rat fink kind of vibes, too. And yeah. if you do the math, it's about 50 years previous, 50, 40 years so, so that's like our ni- the '90s to us was the '50s to people in the '90s. Yeah, yeah, like that that kind of aesthetic and that level of kitsch. You know what I think it is? The Dirty Boogie by Brian Setzer Orchestra dropped, and everybody lost their fucking mind in the '90s, <laughs> and they were just like, "Oh shit, Mad Men hasn't been invented yet. We got to use this font for everything." Like, uh, and so you know, we, we get this really '50s. Um, Sort of, and it's not even PSA. This is the kind of stuff that um, what what it's parodying or or playing off of is the kind of um, videos that you get in like Mystery Science Theater three thousand before they get into the actual movie, where it's like uh, you know sort of black and white, you know, instructing children on how to do things videos. Um, and we get uh, this guy uh, narrating uh, this this video about this kid who uh, filmed a crash landing of a UFO in the 50s and it cuts to the the UFO crash landing and it genuinely just looks like a fucking UFO smoking through the skies and plummeting to the earth um and you know we get the 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 PSA guy being like all right Jimmy well you faked that to scare your friends right and the kid's like yeah and the guy's like all right great one and done and just like moves on immediately and then we get to the present day there was no real reason for this as an intro I feel the only reason is to set up, again, the government conspiracy of, oh, it's a cover-up, because mm-hmm. later we know that it's actually, that was real footage, and they pressured the kid into saying he's lying. Um, but, and, and I would I would dog on that, except that in 2020, government conspiracies are laughably stupid yeah yeah i mean well and that's kind of what it is actually is like they're you know what i love i love conspiracy theories that are actually harmless like uh katie perry is actually john benet ramsey oh like, man that's that's great that's oh, it's, way better than the um glut of harmful conspiracy theories that are out right now yeah yeah like if it's if it's not racist and it's not like rooted in you know white supremacy like it's yeah i'm, I'm a big fan of that shit but like most of them are uh and so we you know we cut to the present day uh, after this thing of like all right well aliens definitely don't exist and the government uh, had nothing to do with this and everything's fine um there's this guy living in like what looks like a, a van nuys studio apartment um and he opens the door to a lady. He he answers the door like he's Gary Busey in like Palm Springs at, at like nine in the morning with a gun, whiskey <laughs> on his breath, Hawaiian shirt open. Just like, ah, what do you want? The lady's like, ah, I need to ask you about all that stuff that happened. Um, 
And this guy just looks... Now, he is, you know, and, and this is like in the morning when he answers the door, and he's already fully, you know, tipping the bottle upside down into his mouth. And she's also a... She's like, listen, I'm a news reporter, and you said I could... I could uh, interview you, so let's get that done. She's very like, you called me, motherfucker. Like, don't answer the door packing heat, like, downing half a fifth of Jim Beam. Like, please, can you take this seriously, you fucking weirdo? And he reveals that he is a demolitions expert, which is what you want from a guy sucking down this much booze. Um, <laughs> and he, you know, he he reveals his, his dog tags. Uh, now, and, and we, we find out that this man's name is uh, Martin Kern, uh, who is an explosive specialist, and he... This actor has the magnetism of a dead crab. Um, yeah. He is just... Uh, it's just... It's it's very, very bad. Uh, his name is a Sal Landy, I think. Um, he looks basically like... You know Larry Drake, the guy that played Dr. Giggles? Yeah. He looks like if you took Larry, uh, uh, Larry Drake, put him in Photoshop, and stretched him vertically, and this is his face, and also it's full of liquor... Um, and he gets, start, you know, so this is the framing device for the thing. The other framing device for the thing is that he's doing these, like, Blade Runner voiceovers for half of the movie? I think it's supposed to be him telling the reporter what's going on, because, like, the whole thing's a flashback. Uh, but also, they don't really come back to the framing narrative uh, for any real reason. No, and, and like it's it's there at the end, but it doesn't need to be there at the end. Like there's now the thing about this movie, you could trim about a quarter of it without any consequence to the plot of the movie. Um, and I wonder if it's just that the director was like trying to class the joint up a bit by being like, "Whoa, framing device on extra three. I think the honestly, it's because it's a ninety-seven minute movie, and without the framing device, it's not feature length. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. Um, and so uh, Martin Kern is approached by um, a uh, military mucky muck who is he's like an admiral or a general or something. He's actually a uh, commander. OK. Um, I don't know what ranks mean, <laughs> but I believe he's listed as a commander. Yeah. He's got he's got a head like a Dick Tracy villain. This guy, like he's just this huge, huge jaw and this huge head. Um, and he informs uh, Martin Kern, uh, the Alki explosive specialist, that there is a secret internment camp which was used for Japanese prisoners in World War II. Thanks, guys. And then apparently it was abandoned and nobody and everybody forgot about it. And then he's also like BT Dubs. The, the thing that is there is a whole lot of explosives and ammo and stuff that we really don't want lying around. So we need you and your uh, trainees. I don't know. He's he's a teacher, I think, right? He's he's actually a lieutenant. This is his unit. But it's like the Dirty Dozen, but not charming. It's just <laughs> a unit of fuck-ups. <laughs> It's it's the dirty it's it's aliens if every character was Bill Paxton like it's just <laughs> a collection of fuck ups in camo uh, and the guy you know so the the mucky muck is like you have to take your team with you to to go uh, disarm this island and he throws them under the bus immediately where he's like they are a they are the bad news bears of military trainees like they are 
prize fuck-ups and we're all going to die and you can't do this. And the guy's like, eh, tough titties. Um, and then to drive that point home, Kern takes this military bigwig out for lunch and they go to what's essentially a bar in Saigon right before the fall. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, 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 it is sleazy, this place. Um, a girl is dancing topless on the bar and shoving a magnum in people's faces to get money. You know what? Respect the hustle. That's if you're going to make money, like shaking, shaking your ass, you know, bring a gun with you. Maybe encourage people to, to drop a few, a uh, few bucks in the hat. So w- here's my question. Is this a power move on Curran's part or does he actually eat lunch here every day? And this is the <laughs> only nice place he knows. I mean, he is fully double bubbling wood grain alcohol by the end of this movie. So I'm willing to believe this is his lunchtime spot. It's, <laughs> it's him and a dirty mug of beer cheese. And that's his fucking lunch at this bar. Beer um, cheese is too good for this place. I'm thinking it's like... Uh, Wet napkins. <laughs> yeah, and, wet napkins stirred with a swizzle a, stick. And peanut. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly one peanut. And that's how he gets his protein f- to be a demolitions expert. They um, have that one sandwich like they had during uh, in New York that's not edible. It's just passed around in case someone shows up and inspects <laughs> the bar. Yeah, the, yeah, the rubber biscuit. Like, it's, yeah, completely. And so this bar, yeah, before the fall of Saigon is exactly right. Like, there's, hoof. Uh, and so he's at this bar. And then at this point, we are introduced to um, the, the, the main villain of the film, who is uh, Captain Fetterman, who is played by motherfucking Andrew Divoff, uh, Wishmaster himself, in full effect, with... I want to say the greatest mustache I've ever seen in my life. It's very good. It really carries the film. Yeah, yeah. He's the weight of this movie rests on that mustache, man. Like he is, uh, and so he's not doing like a full wishmaster, but he's Andrew Divoff. I'm gonna tell you right now, he is an actor that I always get ex- like if I'm if I'm into a movie and then Andrew Divoff shows up, I am now excited about this movie. Like so, Divoff is like. Sound off, fuck ups. <laughs> all these guys uh, who are actively betting on pool and yelling at each other about, you know, pool. Yeah, well, and you've got you know, so you're sort of introduced to them, and then there's uh, the 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 lady uh, in in the in the group who is uh, Corporal Banta. Um, she's like chasing a dude with a pool cue, and like she's basically Vasquez from Aliens, I think, but less yeah. brown face. Um, and so Andrew Devoff demands to see the recruits. So Kern is like, fine, let me introduce you to my terrible children. And he like lines them up <laughs> now. And this is a thing that I've been researching and I can't figure out. So if any of our, I, I know a few of our listeners are uh, in the military or have been in the military. So if you can sound off on Twitter, please let me know. Um, he, and, and our handle is at rank and Volcast. Yes. Yes. Uh, and so the, uh, Kern pulls a move. Which is that uh, I the thing I don't know if uh, a commanding officer can do. By the way, I'm from a military family, and I don't know this shit because I, I never really bothered to learn about it. Um, I'm the only member of my uh, family, like my my immediate family, who's never been in the military. But I got a creative writing degree, so that was worse. Um, <laughs> but so he 
calls them to attention in this fucking sleazo dive bar. And they while all have... the jukebox is playing, while this woman is still dancing on the bar <laughs> and shaking around topless. You know what? I'm just going to put down a hard and fast rule. If, like, Cherry Pie by Warrant or whatever is playing in the background, you don't get to call anybody to attention. This is <laughs> a fully casual situation. Don't fucking make it weird. Um, he calls them to attention and they have to, like, stand at attention for Ender Devoff to inspect them. Can he do that if they're off base and they're all on their own time? I think there is no such thing as on your own time in the military. Yeah, that's true. Like, you know, like, so you're saying to me that a commanding officer could, like, kick down the door of one of his uh, troops at, like, three in the morning and yell, like, at attention, fuckface, and they'd have to, like, get out of bed or, like, stop jerking off or stop eating cheese from the bag with their fingers at three in the morning and stand at attention? Yes. Like, ugh, man, that's, that's, that's a rough, that's a rough road to hoe, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what I also like is even at attention, they <laughs> don't care and cannot be bothered to actually salute <laughs> correctly they have the posture of a tired child where they're just like all right whatever look i'm like four margs in at pool in the worst bar in the world any like i'm not giving you uh, a 90 degree angle uh right now i'm gonna give you what i can which is me giggling and slouching um the the most buck wild thing is uh and I don't know if this is because of the acting pool that was available or if mm-hmm. this was an intentional casting decision. The most physically fit of this platoon is Jim Hanks. <laughs> yeah, Jim Hanks uh, as a private freedman who's sort of the, the jokester of the bunch. By the way, I was to, today fucking years old when I found out that Tom Hanks had a younger brother named Jim Hanks. Did you know Jim Hanks frequently is Tom Hanks' stuntman in film? Yes, it's rough actually. Like a lot of his Wikipedia is like he uh, subbed in, like he subs in for him a lot if somebody needs Woody from Toy Story to voice a thing. Yes, <laughs> that's like I call my little brother. Hey, it's me, Jim Hanks, and then he has to like that's got to be kind of demoralizing, right? To be your <laughs> your your brother's understudy. What's also insane. <laughs> is uh so we have corporal branta we have jim hanks then we have this other dude boy howdy <laughs> it's supposed to have lost his finger now hendrix yeah oh oh hendrix hendrix who is played by the uh, screenwriter for this movie uh daryl haney which by the way sounds like this is his daryl uh daryl haney is 100 percent. wait did you say you've got daryl hannah for this event yeah he's, he's daryl haney um, and so it's, Darryl... it's Green Day from that episode of Community. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'd forgotten about that. Um, well, and Daryl Haney plays uh, Private Hendrix, who now he got his fingers shot off or not like blown off by uh, a, a, a bomb. And they're get... demolitions expert, and and it's like this motherfucker cannot listen. Look at his mangled hand, which is literally. Like everyone's uncle just holding <laughs> their <laughs> finger down and saying, "Look, I'm missing a finger." It's incredible. Yeah, he's just like, like what? He's like doing the shocker all the time and can't show us. But now the thing about it is, for most, I want to say most of this movie, 
uh, he is fully gesturing with both fully intact hands at all times. My guy, you were the screenwriter for this movie. <laughs> Why did you have to put it in there that your finger was missing? Like, <laughs> you're gesturing with that hand. We can see it. Like, I, it's 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 a baffling choice to me. And it's like, it's meant to be I there. I wonder if Davenport said, we'll just fix it in post, and then <laughs> realized that they actually... <laughs> had to do way more stuff with aliens and they're like we're out of money we can't make the finger <laughs> that's exactly what it is he had like a green screen tip on that finger that he was just gonna wear the whole time like it's it is like a like a thimble yeah that my yeah. mother uses while sewing yeah like one of those things you use to turn pages if you're like a fancy accountant um <laughs> he, so you know and this is meant to be sort of uh, the this rough and tumble group where andrew divoff is you know looking at them and and then kern is like so how'd you get how'd you lose that finger and he's like i, well, I didn't pay attention to your demolition instructions um and so, you know, we sort of realize very quickly, like, oh, this group of people is probably not authorized to carry firearms or do things. Um, yeah, they're very bad. They're very bad at their jobs. They're also supposed to be Marines. Yeah, yeah. It's left... Now, I, I so kind they're of... the worst of the worst of America's best of the best <laughs> fighting forces. Which, if they're, wait, if they're the worst of the best, does that kind of give us like a C plus in terms I, of ability? It's, it's the gentleman's F. They're a D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hendrix is a gentleman's F for sure. Like, they... <laughs> Um, they cannot and will not get their shit together at any point of the movie. Later on, um, Banta, who's like the only one who takes the standing at attention at the worst bar in the world thing seriously and is like the only one actually trying her best at any point of this movie. Um, Which is a really interesting comment on women in the military having to be twice as good as their shitty male counterparts. Right. Except it's lost because... The director doesn't actually care about that. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's something for, like, oh, you know, like, if you're a woman, you've got to mind your P's and Q's. You've got to be, you know, twice as good for half the recognition. And you have to be, like, flawless at what you do. Whereas, like, Hendrix is fully two knuck like two knuckles deep in his own nose because that finger is actually <laughs> intact. Like, it's, yeah. Like, there, there could have been something interesting there. Uh, but <laughs> there absolutely is not. The Faustian Nonsense Network is here to help you produce your best work. We can edit, direct, draft, storyboard, and help your podcast increase its output and connect with the right audience. It doesn't even have to be a podcast. If you have a creative project that you want to monetize and get the most out of, Faustian Nonsense can make it happen. Come join our community and let's build something great together. They, they So they get onto a boat to go to the island, and uh, Andrew Divoff's character... Um, and I'm not going to do the Wishmaster voice, obviously, but he, you know, t sort of tells them like, okay, guys, so we're going to this island and uh, we don't know what we're going to see here. You know, there might be all manner of things. If you pick up uh, anything weird, uh, like any documents or remnants of the camp, wink, wink, you know, maybe don't look at it too close. Like maybe just, you know, look the other way. Don't take anything with you. And... A shadier military uh, official has not existed before this point. <laughs> like, he's just Whatever fully... What do you do? You're only here to do this one job. Yeah, I think this guy got f hired entirely because he was a shady piece of shit, and then they were just like, promote him immediately to the highest office. Um, now, they so they're on the island kind of poking around, and we find a pocket watch uh, that says, To my darling husband, comma, 1955, <laughs> which I love... <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it's a thing to establish the timeline. Yes, we have to have, you know, the most exposition. <laughs> Please, my my. And you fu- know that uh, <laughs> Daryl Haney was like, I'm a genius as he's banging this out on his typewriter. Yeah, and it's like, please, my father's Mr. 1955. Call me Island Remnant. Um, And it's just, you know, there's like a lot of... Now, there's a lot of debris on the island, including like, it looks like a spirit Halloween exploded because of the amount of human bones just littering everything. Also, the sheer amount of rabbits... What is with the... Please explain the rabbits to me. What is with the rabbits? Okay, so in the film, they stumble across an old hollowed out lab that has exploded. And mm-hmm. they go, ah, this explains the rabbits. <laughs> no, the fuck it does not. <laughs> that doesn't explain the rabbits. So I believe that when this was, spoiler the island was actually a place to do alien experiments. Yeah. Uh, so when they had a lab, they had two rabbits to do experiments on, and then they the rabbits filled the island because there's no predators besides the aliens that don't eat rabbits. Yeah, which I guess makes sense. I, I think, like... I don't know. I, I, I've been assuming that there were, like, two rabbits on the island, and then from that, like, the island is just full of rabbits. Yeah. But also, it gives Andrew Divoff a good chance to strangle multiple of them during this movie. Mad, he is a bunny strangler in this movie. Just uh, snapping lop-eared necks. Snapping necks and cashing checks. He's, it's him and Banta, actually. We get a scene where um, they find a wounded bunny, and um, it's Banta and Hendrix, and Hendrix is like, whoa, look at that dead bunny. And then she pulls a gun and he's like, what the fuck? Don't shoot the bunny. And she's like, what? And have it suffer and just caps this bunny in the head immediately. And it's a full-size military sidearm, like a nine millimeter hand, semi-automatic handgun. Yeah, this big fucking hand kind of like, sorry, Mr. Jingles, just like blows this bunny's <laughs> brains out all over the island. It's fucking incredible. Um, and so, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're wandering around basically pulling a, a Fallout New Vegas and trying to figure out from, like, all these little things what, like, all caps, what happened here. Uh, and then they are introduced to a feral island hippie um, <laughs> who, he looks basically like Bob from Twin Peaks with a full beard. Replete with silver gray hair. Yeah, silver gray hair that is like spray painted to look like this guy. Like he looks like Jesus Christ of the early years where he's like he's weirdly ripped this guy. Like I guess there was nothing to do on this island but do fucking crunches and eat bunnies. Yeah. Um and he is out of his mind and you know as as you could probably immediately figure out um this is a guy who has been stranded on this island for like the last 40 years by himself. Um, and he, I think, what is he, he's ex-military, I think, right? You know, sure. <laughs> he looks like it Tommy It doesn't Chong. matter. It's a very finger-wavy, he's, he's one of the guys that has been on this island the whole time. Yeah, yeah. But and... also later it's revealed that he's saved one of his buddies because he shows them the, uh, old 16 millimeter uh, plot device the the <laughs> let me show you my experiments on this one pristinely preserved 40 year old uh video projector yeah it's in like and 4k let me show it to you with my husk of a buddy who's just been 
sitting here mummifying in the Pacific sun. Yeah, my, my, uh, excuse me, let me introduce you to my friend, the grandpa from Texas Chainsaw, who's just, like, <laughs> perched in this chair. Like, a, it, it's incredible. Uh, and so, you know, the, he, he rolls up on them, and he's, like, screaming at the top of his lungs, and they, you know, sort of get him tied down, and they're like, ah, pull yourself together. And his role at this point, uh, which is nothing, but it's, it's basically to just be the crazy Ralph from Friday the 13th, and just be like, you're all gonna die here, and like he can't really speak coherently except for sometimes. It's left a little vague his his conversational uh, acumen. So then they stumble across a giant three story tall concrete <laughs> block, which is pretty wild that it took this long into the movie to get to the alien. Well, they had to murder a lot of bunnies to get there, uh, and by, you know, so it's it's like this big. It's kind of like uh, an obelisk or something. Is it a building or is it a ship or is it... What's what's going on with this? So it's that... It's again that the government didn't know what to do, so they just covered the spaceship in concrete and just <laughs> left it alone. Yeah, yeah. And so they, they find it. Now, what's incredible is that uh, Hendrix, who... Um, no thoughts, head empty... Um, he sees, uh, now, by the way, this is after, uh, Banta has been using a mine detector to try to, like, find mines on the island, and he is just fully swinging a machete around like he's doing fire spinning at spring break, where he's just like, oh boy, I've got a big knife, and she's like, buddy, I'm trying to, Hendrix, I'm trying to work, please, you're going to fucking explode, and he's like, you want to see my cool knife? And it's at this point that they find the concrete structure, and he fully just goes, oh boy, a hole in the tunnel, and just crams his dumbass in that hole. <laughs> like, just shambles down in there uh, with a lighter, which, by the way, there could be gasoline in here, there could be exposed wires, and he's just like, you know what, I'm just going to use my lighter and uh, let go and let God, you know, if I've made it he's this far. immediately assaulted by an alien. <laughs> yeah, yeah, straight away. Um, now we should talk about the alien design in this movie. It fucking whips ass. Yeah, it's it's clearly where all the money went. I do love, though, that they basically made an alien puppet, mm -hmm. and they made the hands work. So, so they designed an arm with working articulated fingers, but they didn't bother to make anything else on it move. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of shots where clearly they're just waving a dummy around the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, the hands look great, though. It's good hands. And um, I like the fact that the, the makeup, it looks basically like an alien version of uh, Jack from Trick or Treat with the mask off. Yes. Just yes. Uh, sort of exposed muscle looking and just sort of like a little smile. Um, the puppeteering on the face, it's pretty dope. Like, this design... I love also that in uh, 1995... Now, in 1995, this is post-Alien and Predator, uh, the second of which this movie is, like, sort of blatantly ripping off. And not even, like, being sneaky about it. They're just sort of like, hey, we really like the movie Predator. Um, the design they've gone with is basically just Little Green Man, which I think is a bold choice for this kind of a movie. Yeah, it's very much classic grays i mean the subtitle of the film is watch the skies yeah so is this x-file exploitation do you think yeah i think that's very safe especially if you look at the font of the the titles 
uh, card. I think mm-hmm. it's very much a we're trying to cash in on that. Yeah. Um, so also, so so they cut open uh, Hendrix's head and he pokes around. This alien pokes around his brain to make him, you know, shit his pants and all that. <laughs> sure, classic. <laughs> and Banta rightfully is like, I'm getting out of here, uh, but not before she touches the outside of the cube that's now been covered in alien goop Oof. and the goop immediately melts her hand. It's honestly, this effect was great. Like it comes away with this like slimy, nasty film and her hand looks like it's just been like roasted on the palm. Um, and I, I, this is some really good. I just got my hand burned acting from the actor who plays Banta because like she really sells the shit out of how much this hurts. Um, now and it's at this point in the, in uh, that I that I have to point out, um, I, I I know I put down in the notes that I you know so you know my my weird bird thing now because I'm like the weird old man who's into birds, um, I I couldn't help but notice that in the background of a lot of this movie you can hear the bird song of the California scrub jay, which is in in my fucking nerdy shitty defense a very distinctive call the the california scrub jay makes a sound that always sounds he's yelling bitch where he's just (laughs) it's like it's like it's like like it's just this like please listeners uh go on youtube look up california scrub jay bird song it is the most jarring fucking thing in the world uh but you like in the notes you you put me on blast for for being like wait a minute you you look at birds now? <laughs> like, so, um, this is why you should subscribe to our Patreon so you can read the shade I'm throwing at Ryan solely in the notes. Not for the recording, just for the notes. Oh yeah, on this, the day of your daughter's wedding, I come to you and I say, that's a California scrub jay. <laughs> um, California scrub jays, by the way, are my favorite bird. They have the soul of a hardened convict. Like, they're just the biggest dicks. Um, they're about, they're, they're a corvid, so they're about crow-sized. Um, my little bird feeder, every day I watch the California scrub jay with a great cry of, bitch, like, <laughs> dive-bomb the bird feeder, sending all the little sparrows and finches, like, scattering, because he's like, I want to eat some bird seed! And anyway, so I I know the call of this bastard man, and that is not a sound you're getting on a tropical island. This is pure Southern California. Um, so, <laughs> you know... I, I, I don't mean to demand. Just... I don't mean to demand verisimilitude from Extra Three, but you know, I just I, I can't let that. I can't let that pass. So um, this is the point where Andrew Divoff just loses his shit. He's like, "Uh oh, <laughs> they know there's aliens, so all bets are off." Yeah, he he's now, and this is where Andrew Divoff starts yelling. Which I feel that Andrew Divoff, you know, I'm I'm used to him as uh, Wishmaster, which is a very sort of low down rumbly thing. Uh, Andrew Divoff yelling makes me feel like I did when I was a kid and my dad cursed and was angry. I'm like, oh no, like this immediate sort of scalded dog feeling when Andrew Divoff is yelling. I don't know what it is. He's he's good at he's good at yelling, uh, and so. You know, he just, like, gives Banta these, like, Kentako Bashi chops and is just, like, screaming at her. Um, and then at this point, so the alien is starting to wreck their shit a little bit more and they're kind of turning on each other. Yeah. So the alien then starts to hunt everybody down and starts to kill them one at a time. Now, this is also the part of the movie that 
the director, um, Harry Bromley Davenport, straight says in the interview, uh, I wanted to have uh, Banta caught in this alien spider web, uh, and it's a little awkward. The shot would have been better if she was naked. But then he talks about the tactical <laughs> merits of no top versus top and how it's not aligned with the character and the verisimilitude for her to be naked and menaced by an alien. It really doesn't make sense. Actually, I'm, you know, and the thing is, there is a genuine damseling thing going on here that sucks, where it's like, oh, sure, like, the one lady in the unit is the one that gets, like, caught in the mean spider web by the alien. Um, you know well, what? Also, I... later, Andrew Divoff's female subordinate uh, loses her entire shirt and just walks around holding a towel across her chest. Now, I've got a serious question. Was that shit ever explained? Because she's holding it in place like a Victoria's Secret model who's just been discovered in a dressing room. Uh, the strike team comes to mop up the island, <laughs> and they're like, put your hands up, and she just holds a, just holds one hand up so she can stay covered. Because this movie... Couldn't get the hard R. Now, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. So her name is Erica, um, this character. And I am I had to rewind a few times. I could not figure out at which point there was another female character in this movie, where she came from, or how she got there. She is there from the beginning. When Andrew Divoff gets off the plane, <clears throat> Erica is right behind him. Okay. And she drops a briefcase, and all of her notes go flying. And... Um, uh, Kern? Yeah, and she drops this briefcase and Kern goes to help pick it up. And that's about all that you see of her until she's completely naked. Yeah, really just a foreshadowing for the fact that she can't keep a briefcase in her hands. She can't keep her shirt on. It's just, it's a real, it's a real problem in the field. I, this is how I know I'm getting uh, cranky and old is I'm immediately like, oh, I don't need anyone to be naked in Extro 3. Come on. Like, keep your clothes on if you're getting tortured by an alien in a spider web. I don't need sexualized torture in a movie, which I really don't for Extro 3. Like, I'm I'm thrilled that I didn't see a single titty in this movie. Um, that's, you know, because, like, what? Come on. Um, mostly because of, you know, if you're in the movie, if I'm in the movie Extro 3 and the director comes to me hat in hand going... Can you show a titty in my in my movie? I'm immediately like, fuck you, dude. Like I'm come on. I'm doing extra three. I'm not I'm not doing basic instinct here. Can we like calm down on the call for nudity? I mean, I think we do have to realize that it was nineteen ninety-five and the internet was was uh brain scan levels <laughs> of advanced. <laughs> Listen, if you want to look at a titty, you got to download a demon. That's just that that's the price you've got to pay on the internet in 1995. So, so my cousin Scott is a certified old and he told me that uh even in the early 90s, you would spend all afternoon downloading a a JPEG of two holes and then once, you know, it was like 12 o'clock at night and you were finally ready to see your your ill-gotten porn, it would be someone's nostrils. You know what? God bless. Like, if you would, if, if back in the day you were like, this JPEG will take three years to download, and if it's like the crook of somebody's arm, that's just, listen, that's that's just perfect for, for the internet. I, I mean, specifically honestly, remember uh, reading the Nickelodeon page on Space Cases, and mm -hmm. there were no pictures on it. 
Man. It's just HTML text. Speaking of which, are you familiar with the, uh, the fact that the Heaven's Gate website is still up in pure HTML? Mm, that's not good. No, it's not good, but it... I don't mean to make light of uh, uh, people's deaths, but that website, it looks it looks pretty dope for, like, 1996 HTML web graphics. I mean, uh, they were a cult, and cults are known for their charisma, and you get that web design and those tennis shoes, of course people are going to join. I, I love, by the way, uh, have you seen that clip of Wu-Tang Clan talking about the Heaven's Gate cult, and then one of them brings up the sneakers, and then all of them howl with laughter while making fun of their sneakers? <laughs> because <laughs> it's just yeah it's 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 fucking incredible so um we so the military shows back up to this place because what they wanted to do was send uh the the, the bad news bears uh to the island to uh, die yeah to, to For... cover up and and to die yeah as a cover-up um now my question here why didn't they just fucking like firebomb the island if they were because the way that they told it at the top of the thing this is the island that time fucking forgot nobody knows about this island why couldn't you just fucking nuke it what are we doing why did why why this pageantry with bringing in a strike force and like orchestrating their deaths like this is just so much more logistics than i think they needed indeed and and <laughs> We also get Jim Hanks just being like, I don't know, uh, everyone keeps going into this concrete block and not coming out. Uh, I'm not going in. <laughs> what are you going to do, huh? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to Junji Ito this shit. I'm, this is not my hole. It doesn't belong to me. I'm not going in there. Um, and at this point, uh, Feral Island Guy, they kind of use Feral Island Guy as bait for the alien. Yeah. So apparently Feral Island Guy... So here's what's wild. I think the alien has been inside the concrete block for the same amount of time that the Feral Island guy has been on the island. Mm, so they've been neighbors this whole time. Yeah, except that it was Hendrix who opened the block. So if Hendrix had never opened the block, this never would have happened? They would have, like, fucked around on the island and then died some other way? Yes. What the mob-up was... team would have come and killed them. And that would have been it. Ah, but here's I see. the thing that really troubles me about that is that there is some kind of technology in that alien ship to sustain that alien for 40 years. Yeah. And the US government is like, fuck ending hunger. We're just going to nuke this island. Yeah. Uh, but also, um, given that now it's 2020. Uh, yeah, that makes total sense. I buy it. <laughs> Definitely what they would do. Like, well, it's no, it's of no use to us, so fuck it. Um, and the alien, uh, what we find out from uh, the the flashback uh, video from uh, Feral Island Guy is that uh, the the alien's tragic backstory uh, in uh, this film is that when uh, the spaceship crash landed at the top of the movie in that like fifties sort of uh, flashback PSA. Um, we get raw footage of the alien's wife getting tortured and, like, a, an alien fetus being removed from her body. Completely vivisected while yeah. alive. Yeah, she gets vivisected. And so this is the thing that just makes the alien who's on the island now want to torture the shit out of people. Yeah, um, and then, like, it's supposed to be really clever that the way he killed Hendrix was to cut his brain open and poke at it because that's, like, a callback. 
but it's completely lost. Um, yeah, it's it's meant to be like this is you know he, that he's like mimicking what happened to his alien space wife. Like yeah, yeah. but he did, it did, the gore effects are pretty cool because he's ripping people open. Oh yeah, with I, which his actually bare spindly alien arms. <laughs> yeah, which honestly is a thing I appreciate that like if you're the movie Extra Three, I want that goop. Like give me yeah. give me some gore, you know. Like I don't want titties from this movie. I do want goop. That's yeah. That's my that's my policy. Um, now, so I we... do love that because this is not a fully functional puppet. Uh, <laughs> there's a part where the alien breaks the glass in the lab, and they just take someone off camera is just swinging this puppet like a two by four, <laughs> and they have to <laughs> smash glass with it. God, they really do. It's just this great thwomp in the glass, and it just like he just headbutts it to death it's incredible <laughs> um now we also so what the the strike force gets sort of killed by the alien um a bunch of nonsense happens uh but what we find out is that uh the uh erica the the lady that was previously with andrew divoff is like refusing to betray the rest of this group of garbage people yeah um and so what so Banta dies? A bunch of stuff happens. The important thing is that uh, everything goes south on the island, uh, and they. Uh, so Kern has watched all of his people die on this island, and he sees uh, Andrew Divoff's like battle cruiser off on the horizon, and the movie wants me to know that he jumped into the surf, swam all the way out to that horizon, and boarded the ship to wreck his shit. <laughs> like he just fully dog paddles his way over to a battle cruiser gets on for uh, a confrontation with Ender Divoff. Now, Ender Divoff's motivation in this movie is what exactly? I guess cover up the atrocities, but you know, which atrocities? Like the vivisection of the alien or yes. the yeah, yeah. All so he atrocities. <laughs> So he's basically cigarette smoking man, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the cigarette smoking man. He's just uh, this is his job is to clean up and cover up. Yeah, yeah, and so um, he uh, he and Kern have a fight, and he ends up getting thrown overboard, and he's like bobbing in the waves. Uh, and at this point, the alien who is also on the boat. Quick fucking question: When did the alien get on the boat? Um, it is not shown. <laughs> <laughs> He's just hanging out in the hold. Um, and Andrew Divoff is bobbing up and down in the waves and going like, bah, you've got to shoot the alien. And Kern goes, lol, nah, and just shoots Kern in the water and he presumably dies. Uh, and then at this point, the, uh, the alien fully creed arms his way up into the heavens from a standing position. Yeah, they finally, he's finally able to get picked up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so what? So the aliens had been... Is the idea here that his own people were in the atmosphere waiting for just such an occasion? They've been waiting for 40 years, but concrete blocks cell phone signals, as anyone who's ever done a grocery trip at Kroger knows. <laughs> so the alien has been unable to connect it to his people, but they've been searching for him. So as soon as that hole is open, he's finally able to say... Come get me. Mom, well, there we pick go. Me up. Pick me up, Mom. That actually helps a lot because I had assumed that his own spaceship that was stationed on the island 
like sprouted up and just like he that he like threw a ball up into the air and then jumped up and grabbed it himself somehow so that makes more sense um let's let's be clear this is all just conjecture none of this is in the actual film it just happens and we're expected to understand it you got to do a lot of heavy lifting for for extra three uh and so what my, my question is when this battle cruiser gets back to wherever how the fuck is is Kern explaining his presence on this boat and also Ender Divoff not being on the boat? That's why he's on the lamb, and that's why he's... But also agrees to be interviewed by media. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> I mean, you know, good on her for being like, all right, weird fugitive guy who answers the door with a gun and a bottle of Jim Beam. Um, and so, yeah, so we wrap around to the, uh, the thing and he's, it's just him going like, yeah, I know about aliens and I have, well, he doesn't have proof though, does he? Um, no, there, there is no proof. No, no proof. Um, but so we get, we, we, we end on a TV broadcast of him talking to this interviewer and, um, we see a feral Island guy who has somehow, oh wait, no, no, he got rescued by Kern. That's right. He, Kern built a raft to save Santa? You know. Fuck it. Whatever. Some bullshit. Uh, Feral Island guy winds up, like, pushing a shopping cart, and he's homeless now, and he sees uh, Kern on TV talking with her like he's on fucking 60 Minutes. And he's, you know, he just starts uh, hooting and hollering like a prospector about how, like, ho, ho, they lied. Uh, And it, so... That's the movie? Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> here's the thing. It is uh, 97 minutes long. Uh, of all the movies I've seen, this is one. Honestly, the thing is, I didn't hate Extro 3. <laughs> like, no, for for all of its its troubles, it is very charming in that they they made it. Mm-hmm. Oh, they did. They, <laughs> they certainly for did. It, they actually made it. And you know what? Making making a movie is not a it's not an easy thing. You know, like they uh they they filmed they filmed a whole movie. Um, now th- there are so many like the plot of the movie is obviously garbage, but there are so many things about Extra Three that I'm into. Yeah, like this. Now my other favorite thing is that at the very end of the movie, for whatever reason, the score starts using heavy use of like organ, and it sounds like the fucking Candyman score for no real reason. No real reason at all. It's wild. It's 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 nothing. Um, but yeah. So yeah. So looking at our list, uh, sc- scrolling down just a little bit. Uh, okay, here we go. Um, at number uh, two hundred and fifty-eight, we have the House of Wax remake from two thousand five. Um, which do we think is better, House of Wax or Extro Three? House of Wax, by sheer virtue that it is listed as better than um, the X-Files episode Humbug, and uh, I will take X-Files over Extra 3 any day of the week. Oh, you're absolutely right. Um, So scrolling down uh, a substantial amount more. Um, Okay, here we go. At number uh, 380, we have Exploitation Gem The Baby. Um, I love that movie so much. I also love the baby. It's so it's so upsetting. Uh, it's it's perfect. I think I want to give the edge to the baby uh, in in this in this circumstance, uh, just for being the one of the uh, like one of the 
like ballsiest movies I've ever seen that was just like here's the premise we are sticking to it and we are off to the fucking races and just committing entirely to it now right right under the baby is a movie that I don't care so much for uh at number 381 we have the loved ones which is kind of a big mouthful of nothing to me yeah it's the it's the prom torture porn yeah it's 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 like uh kids bop wolf creek <laughs> Um, it's just like it's in australia but it's teens and like it's i don't know like so much about that movie is just like i'm waiting for it to be over and it doesn't kind of doesn't know what to do with all the stuff that it's juggling where i feel like with extra three um this movie also has no idea what it's doing but it does have alien puppets and explosions and see i i find that funny because the midnight meat train is number 382 and mm-hmm. that is definitely, we don't know what we're doing, but we have <laughs> a very important IP, and we have CGI. <laughs> you know, that's... Also yeah. Rampage Jackson in one oh, inexplicable man. scene. Absolutely. And also what baby baby Bradley Cooper just, like, you know, doing his best. You know what, actually? You've convinced me. I think uh, this might be... <sighs> I, is this is extra three better or worse than Midnight Meat Train though at three eighty two? I would pick Midnight Meat Train over Extra Three. Yeah, um, which is weird because well, okay, well hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. Extra Three has all practical effects. It does. Midnight Meat Train has all CGI effects. I I would honestly say if we take the alien breaking the glass with his head because he's just a dummy and they can't use anything else Yeah. versus that CGI eyeball being popped out with that hammer. Uh, Extra three is marginally better. You're actually, yeah, you're totally right. I think Vinnie Jones is great in Midnight Meat Train, but he, I feel like, I don't know how this is so, but I feel like the Midnight Meat Train somehow underuses Vinnie Jones. Oh yeah. In, in this role like they could have they could have done so much more with that character um but yeah yeah i feel really good about that so yeah so coming in uh at our new number uh 382 uh is extra three from 1995 um and once again guys this uh if you can't shell out for the pretty pretty vinegar syndrome release it is on tubi uh for free which is where i watched it and and i will say the uh, reversible art on the vinegar syndrome is also very nice hell yeah uh quincy where can our listeners find us on the internet first of all they can find us at patreon.com slash rank and vile and for as little for a paltry sum you can listen to bonus episodes of ryan and me watching uh sylvester stallone movies <laughs> which let's be real so much of the patreon is just like an excuse for us to talk about sylvester stallone canon releases from the 1980s um, and, you know, and also be like, yeah, it's not technically horror, so it's fine. Uh, so we are uh, over on Patreon. We are on uh, just about every platform you could uh, want to find us on. Guys, um, if you enjoy hearing us talk about the sweet, sweet mustache of Andrew Divoff, uh, consider uh, heading over to iTunes and dropping a five-star rating. It really, really helps us uh, kind of get up the bracket and kind of get out to uh, as many listeners as possible. Uh, for those of you who are on our Patreon or have reviewed us, we love you. Thank you so so much um we also have a bunch of sweet fucking merch uh, available at our uh, network website at faustiannonsense.com 
Uh, so you're gonna want to head over there uh, for uh, for those. We've got we've got mugs, we've got t-shirts, uh, all all manner of goodies. Uh, but yeah, uh, that is about all I've got. You got anything else? Stay spooky. Later, folks.